Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition, the best edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley. lot to get to, and I know people always say that. lot to get to. I did it all the time on the radio, and I do it here on the podcast, but we do actually have a lot to get to, especially for a Thursday. There is a lot going on, and we are going to start... With the first story, the the big the first big story of the day was jobless claims. And like I said, this was a big story right out the gate. And if you remember, before Thanksgiving, we had a great report. I think it was like 199,000 and it shocked everyone. We found her 200,000. We hadn't seen a number like this in years. And I'll tell you something, if you liked 199,000, you're going to love 184,000 because that's where we were last week. According to the Department of Labor, 184,000 initial jobless claims, a drop of 43,000. That is the lowest number that we have seen since September 6th, 1969. It was 182,000 that week. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just, that's nuts. I mean, that's, that's, 50 years, the lowest we have seen in 50 years. Economists, of course, did not predict this. They had predicted a smaller drop to 215,000. Now, interestingly enough, despite the huge drop in initial claims, continuing claims did not meet expectations for the week ending November the 27th. Continuing claims were actually up to 1.9 million, about 1.992 million, an increase of 38,000 economists had projected a drop to 1.9 even. So continuing claims, of course, are you know one week behind and they're obviously taking a lot more into account. Uh, so continuing claims, unfortunately, up for the week. Ian Shepardson, chief economist at Pantheon Macroeconomics, told CNBC, we are in full-on recovery mode, baby, saying, quote, a correction next week seems likely, but the trend in claims clearly is falling rapidly, reflecting the extreme tightness of the labor market and the rebound in GDP growth now underway. So things are looking good, and let's continue with the good news, shall we? Because we do have some, I don't want to say bad news, but some mixed news that we're going to be getting to. So let's start with some good news. Home equity, we talked about that earlier in the week. We had another report showing us where home equity was. I think it was total $9.4 trillion, somewhere around there. Well, CoreLogic has their Equity Insights quarterly report, and they are also showing tremendous news. Just, this is great if you're a homeowner right now, There's no, especially if you've been a homeowner for a while. Home equity jumped 31 0.1% in the third quarter of 2021. That is a $3.2 trillion increase. And of course, we're using year over year numbers. So we're looking at the Q3 of 2020. That is the average homeowner now has $56,700 more equity in their home than they did one year ago. Just 
crazy numbers. Uh, now, not surprisingly, as equity increases, those total number of households who are underwater, well, that number is going to shrink. And in fact, uh, not only did it shrink quarter over quarter, but it shrank year over year. Negative equity decreased by 5.7% from the second quarter to 1.2 million homes or 2.1% of all mortgage properties. That was down 28.9% year over year from 1.6 million homes or about 3% of all mortgage properties in the third quarter of 2020. This is why anyone that tells you that we're looking, because I I saw another report over at um, Adam Data Solutions that showed that foreclosure activity had increased and they were like, oh no. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, because foreclosures weren't even happening last year. We had the moratorium. So yeah, the numbers are going to go up. But even if every home that was underwater went straight to the market, the market would absorb it and it would be gone. I mean, we're talking about five, 600,000 homes somewhere around there. So this idea that like, oh my gosh, it would, no, we, we need what? Four, five million homes is what we need in order for the market to meet the demand. So yeah, I mean, if we got a million or two million homes, sure, price growth would slow. But this idea that it would be, oh no, we'd have too much inventory, not according to the demand, not at all, not even close. Uh, Frank Martel, president and CEO of CoreLogic, said this is a win for everyone, saying in a press release, quote, not only have equity gains helped homeowners more seamlessly transition out of forbearance and avoid a distressed sale, but they've also enabled many to continue building their wealth. This financial reserve will be especially helpful for homeowners looking to fund renovation projects assuming they can find the commodities um, or I should say the raw material to be able to engage in those renovation projects. I think that's really, you know, people, as we all know, we saw this huge renovation um, explosion that happened when COVID hit. I think we're going to see a resurgence of that because home prices, there's just so much money in people's homes. We're going to see cash out refis increase. But once again, not like we saw in 2006 where people were taking out 110,000, you know, they had loans that were 110,000 versus the uh, value of their home. No, we're still going to keep it in the parameters of 20%. And we, no one's going to go underwater by doing a cash out refi. But I do think you're going to see an explosion because people are going to say, well, I don't want to sell my house because now I got to find a house to buy. So why don't I just upgrade the fixtures in my house or upgrade whatever in order to match what I would like to see if I were to buy a new house? And so I don't think there's any doubt about that, but they got to find the material. And if anyone's been paying attention, that's easier said than done. Uh, And mortgage rates. This is obviously a key factor in all of this, because if you are going to do a cash out refi, you'd like rates to be somewhat close to, I mean, obviously lower would be the best thing, but if you, you know, looking to take cash out, even a little higher, you'd be okay with. And for the third week in a row, mortgage rates have remained pretty steady. This according to Freddie Mac, the 30 year fixed actually fell one basis point to 3.1% for the week ending December the 9th. This, of course, is higher than it was a year ago, 39 basis points to be exact. The 15-year fixed uh, also fell one basis point to 2.38% for the week ending December the 9th. This is 12 basis points higher than one year ago, but three weeks in a row of mortgage rates remaining kind of where they are is something not a lot of people predicted. And that's why, you know, we talked about this, or actually we didn't 
I didn't do a show yesterday, unfortunately. But on Wednesday, we got the Mortgage Bankers Association data for weekly demand. And demand, especially for refis, jumped for the last week. And it's because mortgage rates are kind of holding steady, if not dropping, depending on your situation. And so, yeah, I mean, it's encouraging people to say, okay, now's the time to, to refi, especially if you're doing a cash out refi. You got all this equity. Why not tap it? Why not go ahead and get that money out and, and do something with it, especially, like I said, renovations. But one of the reasons I bring up mortgage rates is because we all know how important mortgages are when it comes to houses, right? I always say that your dream home begins with a mortgage. It's, it's my catchphrase. Not really. I just kind of made that up right now. <laughs> but it's important. And the whole foundation right now of the mortgage industry are mortgage-backed securities. I mean, the way the business works, right, is you get a mortgage from a client if you're in the mortgage business, and then, of course, the company you work for packages that mortgage up and they sell it. And that allows them to have more liquidity to loan more money out, and that's how our housing market works. And there was an interesting piece over at Bloomberg by Adam Temkin, who said that this recent increase that we've talked about here on the podcast, the big jump in conforming loan limits, could have an impact on mortgage-backed securities. So as I mentioned, the FHFA increased conforming loan limits almost $100,000 to $647,200. And if you're in a high-cost area, we're talking about almost a million dollars. And this was shocking to a lot of people, but probably necessary based when you look at this year-over-year price increases that we've seen, we're looking at close to 20%. So it makes sense. So why does this matter? Why is this impacting what's happening with mortgage-backed securities? Well, Tepkin writes that bigger loans make mortgage bonds riskier for investors. When homeowners have larger loans, they become more likely to refinance even with relatively small declines in interest rates because the monthly savings in dollar terms is greater than it would be for a smaller loan. I mean, this makes sense, right? I mean, if you're borrowing $200,000 and you're talking about you know 1% on $200,000, you're talking about what, 2,000. But if you're talking about a million dollars and you're talking about 1%, now you're talking $10,000. And so yes, the size of the loan matters and when interest rates move, and now I do wanna point out, they're not gonna drop anytime soon, but let's say over the next couple of years, they continue to increase and these you know home prices are where they are, when you eventually see interest rates drop again, there's gonna be a huge demand for refis. And that's what sort of complicates things here because the Federal Reserve has been buying $40 billion in mortgage-backed securities a month. Tapering has already begun and could end even quicker than originally announced as some have said and reported. And as Temkin writes, this will leave a big hole in the mortgage-backed security market, writing, quote, the Fed tended to buy securities with higher average loan sizes compared with the rest of the market. So as it scales back purchases, the mortgage size in bonds available to investors will probably grow. And I did also want to mention, I think I was getting to this point and I kind of lost my uh, place for a second, is that one of the other concerns is that that would mean that you'd see loans paying off earlier. Because if you saw all of a sudden all these people rush to refi because rates drop by you know 1% three or four years from now, whatever it may be, and everyone goes to refi, you see this huge refi boom, and then all these loans, of course, close out early, 
that would obviously have a negative impact on the mortgage-backed securities market. But I mean, here's the thing is that the housing market is different now than it was 10 years ago. It's going to be different 10 years from now. I mean, it, it's always changing. Things are always evolving. But the reality is, and, and I talk about this in my newsletter this morning, there was a piece over, uh, once again, Bloomberg reported on this. Bloomberg does a good job. Uh, they talked about Bain Capital just closed a $3 billion real estate fund. So, I mean, and, and one of the things they're doing is, is residential real estate. I mean, people are rushing to residential real estate right now. So uh, there, there's going to be some changes, no doubt about that. Um, there's going to be, there always are, there's going to be changes. But that means it's going to change from now. It doesn't mean it's no longer going to be profitable. I mean, right now you're looking at 20% year over year gains for residential real estate. I mean, that's an investment. That's a return that people want to see. Now, are we going to see that again next year? No way. Unless something insane happens, unless something happens with the Omicron variant, there's no way that's going to repeat itself. I mean, that 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 would take home prices to a level I just don't think that the market is ready for. But never say never, never say never. But people do want to get involved. They look at real estate as a rel- relatively safe investment. And so, yes, are we going to see changes in the way the mortgage-backed security market works and could we see some concern? Sure, and this is good. What I like about this is one of the things that caused 2007 or 2008 was complacency. Everyone's like, oh, housing will never go down, we'll never see defaults, and then we saw that. And so the fact that people are, are, are saying, hey, you know what, we might wanna pay attention to this. I think that's smart because people are gonna go, okay, well, let's look at the way we're doing these mortgage-backed securities and maybe we should change that because of the possible reality of refis and loans being paid off. And so I think it's smart that it's being brought to people's attention. It's not like a necessarily someone ringing the uh, alarm. It's more like, hey, take a look at this because we can adjust accordingly. And I'm not smart enough to tell you how this is going to impact the mortgage-backed securities market. And could it be catastrophic? I don't think it will be. But this is a good way for us to say, okay, we know this could possibly happen. And then let's change kind of going forward. But I did think it was interesting. I didn't think that was good points. And like I said, I'm glad someone's bringing it to light better than, oh my gosh, we have another crash again. See, we should have listened to this person and what they were saying. All right, you guys enjoy your weekends. I'll be back here Monday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.